0: Go spread the word. When you get a fresh, hot McCrispie from McDonald's and you can feel the heat coming through the bag, don't try to wait till you get home. Always respect hot chicken. The McCrispie, only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
1: Did you know that it's Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month? Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, like Cardon, Kaja, Amelia George, and Hey Meave. Whether you're looking for a good Korean skincare or affordable and trendy jewelry, they've got you covered. Plus, you can help to support college access and student success when you donate online or round up in-store to APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. Hey y'all, and welcome to Trials to Triumphs. I'm Ashley Blaine Featherston Jenkins, but you can call me ABFJ. This week, on our last episode of this season of Trials to Triumphs, we wanted to flip the script. Today, I'm answering questions that you all, our amazing listeners, sent in. I'll also take questions from some of the incredible women who work on the show. We covered a lot this season. I think the best single advice that I've heard recently is from Natasha Rothwell, who said, don't be perfect, be prolific. For me, it's about intentional living. You can live life or you can let life happen to you.
0: We should have that audacity to envision bigger and freer and more beautiful every day.
1: You can't walk away from things that scare you because it's the things that scare you that are the things that are worth doing. My guests this season dropped so many beautiful and insightful gems, but did you know that every episode had one thing in common? Each guest said yes to their peace, to their purpose, to their health, and in some cases to themselves. Today, I wanted to not only look back and reflect on how far we've come as a show, but also touch on how saying yes to what we truly need can transform and mold us. And in our last Sankofa moment of the season, I'm reflecting on someone who is truly inspirational to me and the burning questions I have for them. Stay tuned for that. Today, I'm embracing curiosity. I have no idea what to expect, but I know it will be special and so much fun. I can't wait. So here we go with question number one.
0: Hey, Ashley, it's Paulina, one of your producers. We are going to get you started with icebreakers. So my icebreaker question is, who are you most like, your mom or your dad and why? Ooh,
1: that's a really good icebreaker question. So here's the deal. I am most similar in personality to my dad. Growing up, they would say I walk like my dad. We're both kind of gregarious. We are loquacious. We love the gift of gab. We really value and cherish friendships, you know, love to travel, just very much so people people. My dad's the guy that he goes to the grocery store and everybody knows who he is. They're like, hey, Bernie, so good to see you again. We have this special lobster we set to the side for you, whatever it may be. So I'm very much so like my dad in personality. But what's cool is that I'm finding that the older I get, especially, I'm more like my mom just in like the way I go about my life. My work ethic I get from my mom, my tenacity. And I think part of it is just because I'm such a woman. I'm becoming a woman and every woman says you become your mom as you get older. I guess I'm probably most like my dad externally, but internally I have a lot of similarities with my mom and I'm really grateful that I have a good mix of them both. Hey, Ashley, it's Shanice. And my question for you is, as someone who's recently moved to Maryland, I'm always curious, what did Maryland give you? And when you fly back to Maryland, what is something that is typically on your to-do list? Who are you seeing? What are you eating? And where are you eating? What are some things that you miss from home when you're back in L.A.? Oh, my goodness. So I miss everything from home. And I've been in L.A. for 13 years. Marilyn gave me a community It gave me diversity. I grew up in Gaithersburg and Montgomery County and like in the DMV. So I spent a lot of time between the suburbs and the city in D.C. And it just, I just grew up with everybody. All my schools were diverse. Though I grew up in a predominantly white environment, I was always around people who looked like me. And my parents made sure of that, too. Maryland gave me all four seasons and an appreciation for the seasons. Uh, it's one of the things I, I kind of long for in LA. Even though we do get seasons in LA, it's not the same. Like it's more dramatic on the East Coast in Maryland, even specifically. When I go back home, oh my gosh, I feel like I never have enough time to see everybody and do all the things I want to do. I literally was just saying to Daryl, I was like, the next time we go home, we need to go for like a week. We can't go for just, like, three, four days. Like, we have to go for, like, a full seven days, <laughs> like, seven to eight days. I need to go home so I can see all of my loved ones. But I'm definitely making sure that I see my best friends, Madison and Crystal, and my goddaughters, Sloan and Chloe. I have to see them every time I go home. My little brother, Chandler, he goes to Howard University now. He's a freshman there, so I have to make sure I see Channy. I have to get L'Oreal Plaza, which is one of my favorite restaurants. Two of my favorite restaurants are in D.C., which are L'Oreal Plaza, which is Mexican, and Joe's. Joe's is like a, it's a, it's like an American restaurant, but they have a specialty in Stone Crab, which is one of my favorites. So I have to go there. And if you know me, like my friends always make a reservation for me to go to to L'Oreal before I even get home. They know that I have to go. (laughs) Uh, and get my specialty, my special order and my swirl margarita. I have to do it. But whenever I go home too, I always try to get crabs. So I try to get crabs at the wharf or wherever I can get them really. But I mean, there's nothing like steamed covered in Old Bay, Maryland, blue crab. There's nothing like it. I've been cracking them and eating them since I was a baby girl, and I will never, ever stop. If
2: you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada At participating McDonald's. This episode is brought to you by AARP.
1: Some things that I miss from home when I'm back in LA are my people, you know, my closest friends and family. I, I honestly, I also kind of miss, I guess, the normalcy of it all. It just is really normal. <laughs> I wouldn't call it plain, it's not like Plainville, but it's more simple. And there's not as much hustle and bustle, even though D.C. is a political capital of the world. You know, we're also the home of happy hours. So people know how to take their break and (laughs) go have a drink and get back to work if you need to. But we are really good at work life balance, I would say. But I love like the easy breezy feel of back home that I don't necessarily have in LA. LA oftentimes feels like go, 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 do, 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 be, 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 be. And at home, I don't have to do or go anywhere or be anything. (laughs) So I really, really, really love and cherish that.
0: Hey, Ashley, this
1: is Camille. If you weren't an actress or in the entertainment industry, what would you do instead? Oh, this is such an easy question. I would be an educator. I would be a teacher, a professor of some kind. I would still probably want to teach within the arts, whether it's acting or something in the performance realm, but probably acting like an inclusive type of actor, almost like a master class I would want to teach. But yeah, I would be an educator. You know, I come from a long line of educators. My mom, in a lot of ways, is an educator and an expert in diversity, equity, and inclusion and has been for over 40 years. My grandmother, my nana, my mother's mother, she was an educator for her entire life. And then my nana's sister, my aunt, babe, who just turned 91, she too is an educator. So I it's who I am. I think that's why I even have this podcast, really. I think in a lot of ways, it's a form of education. And I it's why I do a lot of public speaking. I feel like everybody has something to offer. And I know that I do too. And so I want to always find ways to do so. So yeah, I would be teaching at someone's college or high school or something like that. I think that's what I would want to do.
0: Hey, Ashley, it's Jordan. I want to know, if you were trapped on a
1: deserted island, what three things are you taking with you? Oh my gosh, I'm deserted. Oh my goodness, what am I going to do? You all should know that I love the show Survivor. This question just made me think about Survivor. But what would I take? I would take Daryl. Am I allowed to take Daryl? Because I would take Daryl. I would take Diva. Daryl, my beautiful pit bull diva. (laughs) Ooh, I got one more thing. Dang. Okay. Um, We would need a flint. We need a flint to make fire. See, I know that because of Survivor. To get our food and stuff like that, we would we could just, I don't know, maybe mm, we don't have a knife or something. We could maybe figure out a way to like carve a spear or something like that to hunt for food, or we would have to be veg- vegetarians maybe for a little while. We could do that. Diva wouldn't like that, but she could deal with it. It'll be fine. But yeah, I think, because of course I thought about like a book or I don't know, something like that, which that would be great. But I'm bringing Daryl and Diva because they can entertain me. I can entertain them. We're a family. We love each other. I wouldn't feel alone. And we make it together here so we can make it together anywhere. Hi, Ashley. It's Michelle. So what I want to know is... What song perfectly describes what your life looks like or feels like in this season? Oh, man, this is a great question. And I'm actually really proud of my answer. There's a song by Jill Scott called Blessed. Actually, me and my girlfriends, Nia and Courtney, we got together yesterday. And Courtney was like, oh my gosh, I want to play you all this song that I love. It just puts me in a good mood. And it was this amazing song by Janet Jackson called Enjoy. And so just, we just were vibing to the song and it truly did get us into a great mood. And then of course, me being me, I was like, oh my gosh, we should all play like songs that put us in a great mood and just remind us of how the abundance we have in our lives and all of this stuff. And so my song choice was the one I just named, Blessed by Jill Scott. And the reason I would choose this song is because the song is all about how blessed she is, while also saying life isn't easy. You know, hard times come. Trouble's going to happen sometimes. Things aren't going to be all roses and sunshine, but I'm blessed. The song opens with, I woke up in the morning feeling fresh to death. I'm so blessed. Yes. I went to sleep stressed, woke up refreshed. I'm so blessed. Yes. Yeah, it's there's I'm." Um, many more lyrics that are beautiful but just the way it starts that's how I feel like despite everything not being how I want it to be I'm so blessed (laughs) like I am incredibly blessed and it's just that constant reminder that no matter what if I have breath in my body if I am able to put one step in front of the other for those that I love and for myself then it's a good day it's a good life Thank you so much to my lovely LWC Studios production team for their well-crafted questions. I could not make this show without you. I'm so deeply grateful to you all. Now, I'm super excited to get into the nitty gritty. Questions from our T2T, AKA Triple T tribe, our lovely listeners. I was going to say I'm a little nervous, but I'm not. I'm actually having a ball. So let's get into it.
0: Hello. My name is Anisna. I'm a graduate from Florida Agricultural and Mechanical University. Um, You've previously answered what a good day looks like for you, but I wanted to know what are some of your favorite things or activities to do? Like how do you decompress after what you consider a long day?
1: Ooh, that's good. Honestly, I sometimes forget to eat. Oftentimes, like when I'm like decompressing from a long day, I'm like, ooh, I want a snack that I really enjoy, that'll like really just make me happy. Uh, One of my favorite snacks right now, I made this up, by the way. It's called Ants on a Turtle's Back, okay? I know it sounds crazy, but what it is, (laughs) you guys are really getting a sneak peek into like how quirky I am. So it is a sliced green apple. Daryl's going to be so mad that I'm giving away this special recipe. It is a sliced green apple with chunky, which I prefer, peanut butter, or creamy, which he prefers, peanut butter, okay? You're going to spread that on the slice, okay? Then you're going to sprinkle some rolled oats, okay? Some rolled oats onto the peanut butter, so it's going to stick. Then you're going to put some raisins. You're going to nicely position some raisins, on what the turtle's back because it's green. Get it? The ants are brown. Okay, I think it's great, and it's a great snack. That's it. Some sometimes, if I want a little razzle dazzle. Sprinkle a little shredded coconut. But I have a snack like that, and I sit down and I watch a reality show. Like I'll catch up on one of the Housewives or something like that. Sometimes I'll take a nap. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sometimes I'll take a nap after a really long day. I've been doing this really cool. Nia, one of my best friends, she put me onto this really cool workout called the 12 3 workout, which is, which I know it doesn't sound like a decompress, but it is a decompressing. You're like, how are you decompressing with working out? But it's like a, it's a way for me to get my body moving and not put too much stress on it, which I really like. And it gives me some energy. On the treadmill, you're at a 12 incline, three miles an hour for 30 minutes. And I love it. It's been so great. If I'm ever having a day where I felt slightly anxious or just really stressed or just had a lot going on, it's a perfect way to help me wind down. I love tea. Sometimes I'll have some tea, like an herbal tea. That's always really great. Sometimes I'll read like a chapter out of a book that I've been like needing to dig into a little bit more. But yeah, those are some things that I do to decompress after a really long day. But Having a snack and hydrating is, like, first up on the list. Or sometimes even having a cocktail. Love a good cocktail after a long day, for sure.
0: (laughs) First time I met you was when I watched the show Dear White People. It's still one of my favorite shows. How has that journey affected your journey in the entertainment industry till this day, especially as a Black, dark-skinned woman like myself? It's a question that comes up when I think about entering the entertainment industry. I want to know... How do you navigate mistreatment or navigate that industry? Oh, man. I, Dear
1: white people, in my five years and four seasons being on the show, and, I mean, the years before that, being a part of the film, are so special to me. But even just taking that a step further in many ways, it's been my foundation as an actor, as an artist, as a creator. And it's a major part of my journey. It's a it's an important part of my legacy. And it is a universe that I couldn't be prouder to be a part of. And to have played a character as amazing as Joelle Brooks is a lifetime honor. And really just because to me, she's, the total package. But I love what she represents. So many women and young girls who are waiting for a character like Joelle to emerge on screen. And she did with such power and boldness and beauty and confidence and complexity. I just sometimes think like, wow, God, like you reserved that for me. Like, you, it was always for me. Like, you chose me to be a part of that and to be that representation. How blessed am I? Wow. You know, every time someone's excited to show me that I'm their Netflix avatar, I'm like, wow, that's amazing. That's so cool. Like, sometimes I have to step outside of myself and realize how much representation I provide and how the representation that I'm able to provide is really because of all the representation that I was able to see myself through. And I'm just happy to continue it on. As far as poor treatment, if I'm honest, I don't really experience it as much as I see it. And... I think, you know, what my duty is to always speak on it, whether it's me or whether it's somebody else, is to always speak on it and to always try to do what I can to make it better, to make the world a better place, to make this industry a better place, to make walking through the world as a dark-skinned Black woman safer and just a more beautiful and deserved experience for us all.
0: I've seen you on the big screen but could you see yourself producing any series or movies? Do you just like to be in front of the screen or do you see yourself within the next few years making your own movies or series?
1: Yes, girl. You better see my future. Yes, I do. Oh, yeah. I'm a producer at heart. I love creating content. It's always been who I am. I always I'm coming up with ideas. I have a long list of things that I want to do, produce, be in, see other people in. I too am just someone who loves television. I don't care what part of television. I am in love with TV. So I want to always find ways to be in front of the screen, behind the screens, in, you know, conference rooms, making call-in shots, coming up with opportunities for other people. Whatever it is, I want to do it. I want to create TV that inspires, just like there has been so much TV that's inspired me. And I really want producing, directing, creating behind the camera to be a really big part of my legacy and a part of my near future. So I appreciate you saying that because it really just confirms where I already knew I was headed.
0: We have big feelings for Fridays. Is it because Fridays also mean free fries at McDonald's? Free McDonald's fries. It's okay if you need a minute. Free fries Friday. Get free medium fries with any $1 purchase. Valid one time on Fridays through twelve thirty one twenty four. 24 Average spent McDonald's
2: excludes tax. Must opt into rewards. This episode is brought to you by AARP. 18 years from tonight, Grant Gill will become a comedy legend when he totally kills it at his improv class's graduation performance. Knees will be slapped. Hilarity will ensue. That's why he's already keeping himself in shape and razor sharp today with wellness tips and tools from AARP to help make sure his health lives as long as he does. Because the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org slash healthy living.
0: My name is
2: Cecily Alexandria from Philly. Will you describe a time in pursuing your passions that you thought... You might be helping others, and the moment that you realized it was
1: actually true. Thanks. I love this question. I think it's with trials to triumphs. Like, I, in coming up with the idea for this podcast, I knew that it was bigger than me. It wasn't just for me to get inspiration and insight and motivation and all of these things. It was to get that and then put it right back into the world for the world to enjoy and to gain all of those things from. But the thing is, when you're creating something, you hope people listen. You hope people watch it. You hope people spread the word about it. You never know how it's going to go. So I knew how special and important trials to triumphs should be, <laughs> but I didn't know that that it would be received that way. That was obviously my prayer. And it was honestly after the first episode aired and the response. And I'll be honest, I wasn't really nervous because I had faith. I, I wasn't confused about the quality of the content that was going out or how important it was or how it would be received if people consumed it. I was excited for what I felt to be confirmed. That's what I was. I was really excited and hopeful that I wouldn't be disappointed. And so after our first episode aired, whether it was people leaving reviews or people commenting on the episode on on various social platforms or just people were calling or FaceTiming or sending me voice notes to tell me how much it meant to them. It just, it confirmed everything. That's when I knew, okay, all right, Ashley, you were right. This was for others and it is speaking to them in the exact way you intended it to. And feeling that felt otherworldly And it gave me this rush in a sense of confirming that this is my purpose. This is what I was sent here to do. You know, I talk a lot about that on the podcast, but it confirmed that this is part of my life's work. And it's work that I want to continue to do more of. Hi, my name is Brianna
2: Reed. My question that I want to ask is, how do you build discernment to recognize when you're actually just nervous about stepping into something new and when your intuition is actually trying to lead you
1: to go in a different direction? Having an answer to this question will be really helpful for me. Thank you so much. Have a great day. What I would say is my rule of thumb, personally, and the way that I live my life, is that the gut never lies. Your intuition is never wrong. It's like this special gift that we were all born with. And it's also really unique in the sense that only we have the ears to hear our own intuition. So nobody else can tell us about our own intuitive thoughts and feelings. We have to discern them on our own. And so if you're feeling like you're vacillating between the two, like, ah, is this just a fear I need to overcome? And your intuition, your gut is telling you actually to go in an opposite direction. I would always go with your gut first. Because again, the gut doesn't lie. For me, I've never known my gut to lie to me. And I think if you really think about your own life, you would realize that your gut's never lied to you either. And the thing about it is that it can still be confusing. You can still be like, hold on now, gut. I don't want to do this. Or I, are you sure? (laughs) Like, I'm a little conflicted about this, but still trust it. Still trust it. Because to me, your intuition, your gut is connected to the truest, purest part of yourself. And the part of yourself that is always looking to be operating at your highest level and for your highest good. So work on trusting it and understanding that no matter how it works out, it was the way it was supposed to work out for you. An example of this for me is many years ago, probably seven, eight years ago, I built up the courage to quit my survival job. And it was a good survival job. It was like really good. It was probably like the best one I had ever had. And my goal was to quit my survival job so that I could just finally be a full-time actor. It was scary, but it was thrilling. And my gut was telling me to do this. My gut was saying, quit your survival job, Ashley. You don't need the survival jobs anymore. You're going to be okay. But within that first month of quitting my survival job, I was not okay. Like, didn't know how I was going to pay my bills, definitely didn't know how I was going to pay my rent. And I really questioned my decision. I was like, wait a minute. Like, I felt every fiber of my being told me that this was the right move to make. And here I am struggling. I'm emphasizing this part of the story because following your gut does not mean that you will be without struggle or strife. (laughs) It just means you're listening to yourself To go in the direction that best serves your life journey and path. But it doesn't mean that it's going to be immediately easy. I was sad and frustrated and just really scared. Like I I just really felt like I was just at the bottom. And one of my closest friends, Ashley, ended up coming to my aid and like effortlessly offering to pay my rent. I didn't call her to ask for it. She just knew something was up with me and I, in a moment of transparency, I was probably like 20, probably 25, 26. And because of her life circumstances and how things had changed in her life, her helping me out was easy at that time. It was easy. It was a joy for her to help me. And to see that display of friendship in her was incredibly special. And I've carried that with me since then, and I will carry it with me for the rest of my life. And I try to be the friend that Ashley was to me in that moment, in that season of my life to my friends when they need me in similar seasons. But I say all that to say, shortly after this season, very shortly after is when I booked Dear White People. And so my point is, had I kind of led with fear, then I wouldn't quit the survival job. I still wouldn't have been in a really good place. I wouldn't have felt free and expectant of what God had for me right around the corner. But I was free. I was walking in the world as the full-time actor that I wanted to be, whether my bills were paid or not. And abundance came shortly after. My dream show, my dream role, my dream opportunity. That was the start of my dream life, being able to truly be built. Everything changed after that. And I have not gone back to a survival job since. And so I'm really happy that I followed my gut and trusted my intuition because it was right. It was time to go and look at me now. Hi, my name is Shana Webster from Maryland. And my question is, how did you know that you were ready for marriage? And what advice would you give to women who want to be married? Also, how did you prepare for marriage? Ooh, this is a great question, my Maryland sister. Here's the thing. I think I thought I was preparing myself for marriage but I don't know that I was because I don't know that I really had the tools or knew what there was to do. I just was trucking along in life. And honestly, once Daryl and I got engaged and once we got married, a lot of the partnership work that is very different from being a boyfriend or a girlfriend was done in the midst of our relationship. And I think that In a lot of ways, that's a good thing and a blessing because we were able to kind of do a lot of the work that is for us together. But if I were to look back, the best way to prepare yourself for marriage is to focus on yourself. And I know that's such like a simple and even maybe cliche answer. But what I mean by that is. I think oftentimes when we think about preparing for marriage, we're thinking about how we can prepare ourselves for someone else. And while doing so, we forget about ourselves altogether. You know, it, it is true. When you're in a marriage, to become one. But it's important for the individuals, the ones of the two equation, to be as strong and fortified as they can individually. So I would encourage you to... Whatever you're looking for in a partner, do it for yourself. Whatever you still want to discover about yourself or enjoy or learn, learn it now. Do it now. Now is the time. Like every time in your life has a season. Like I I sometimes look back and I'm like, I will never be a single woman again. That's okay. I don't miss being a single woman. I'm happy to be a married woman and have a family and be in this next phase of my life, but that phase passed, and there's some there are some things, although I don't miss it. There are some things that I'm like, dang, I probably should have taken a solo vacation. I kept putting that off. Taking a solo vacation, for example, is much different now when you have a family and a husband and a dog and a all these things. It's different than when I was Seven eight years ago, just single, living in my nine hundred dollar a month studio apartment. It's a different life, so I would encourage you to do that. Like love on yourself in the way that you want your partner to love on you, because then not only is the love able is the love able to penetrate in a really just wonderful way, but you're also able to experience love from your partner in a different way too. It's almost like a bonus. It feels extra special because. You've already got, your love tank is full. You're not looking for someone to fill it. It's already full. So now you just have overflow. And overflow is what feels amazing. And so in preparing for marriage, prepare yourself. That's it. Prepare yourself to be the best person you can be so that you meet the best partner you can possibly meet. You attract what you are. That's a fact. That's very true. And also just believe. Believe that you will have everything that you want in a marriage and a partner, because you will. I truly believed in Daryl and I, and I truly believed that we would have the very life that we're living now. Even when it didn't seem clear or linear or make much sense, there was still a belief deep down inside of me that I knew to be true. And I'm so happy I was right.
0: Again, my name is Anisna. I'm from West Palm Beach, Florida. What was your yes moment? The moment you came in agreement with yourself that acting was where you wanted God to plant your feet. The moment you decided that, yes, this is what I want to do. Yes, I can see myself there. What was it that made you come to terms to accept that, yes, I deserve to be there. You know, this is what I want to do. Was it an easy realization for you? Wow. Okay, this is a,
1: beautiful question and I'm really excited to answer this. I knew from a very young age that I wanted to be an actor and an artist in the entertainment industry. From the time I was in preschool, elementary school, I was pursuing it. I started acting professionally when I was 14. So I had been doing this for a very long time. But there is a moment that really sticks out in my brain that I decided that I wasn't going to take no for an answer in this business. My family had a tradition growing up where we would go to the movie theaters. We would go to the movies on Christmas Day. Like after we, you know, open presents and eat breakfast, we would go to the movies. And this particular Christmas, it was December 25th, 2007. I was a sophomore at Howard University working towards getting my BFA in musical theater. And we went to go see The Great Debaters. And I was so excited to see it. You know, I was a big fan of Journey Smollett. There was just so many, obviously, Denzel Washington, Forrest Whitaker. It just was a really great cast. And I just could not wait to go see it. I was a sophomore in college. It's about these college students, this college debate team. It just felt very aligned. So we went to go see the movie. And I was blown away. I probably sat there throughout the entire movie with my mouth completely to the floor. I just thought it was so well done, so well acted, so well produced. I just was in awe. I'm getting emotional thinking about it right now. I think I needed this reminder at this very moment. And i was sitting between my mom and my dad. And the movie ended. The credits were rolling. I sat there. I always like to sit through the credits. (laughs) True actor. I want to see everybody who had a part of of everything. And the lights came up. We were probably, I mean, the last people in the theater. And I took both of my parents' hands and I squeezed them and I stood up and I said, I have to do this. And they were looking at me like, what? And I was like, mom, dad, I have to do this. This is what I want to do. And I was pointing at the screen. I was like... That's where I want to be. This is what I want to do. I was like, it has to happen for me. I mean, I was sobbing at this point. I was just so emotional. I had just turned 19 earlier in the month. And I just was overcome with emotion because it was just so clear for me that I was right where I was supposed to be, right? Like I'm experiencing like, this is what I want my future to be. But at the current moment, I'm in college, studying acting and music and dance. And, you know, I am preparing to be where these actors are on this screen and I will stop at nothing. And I really felt God saying, yes, you will be there. You are doing the right thing. I am ordering your steps. You're not confused about anything. You should be emotional about this. This is your life. And so now years later... It's just so amazing what, I don't know, 15 years later, almost 16 years later, it just is so profound that it is my life. Wow, you all asked me some really great questions, and I just want to say thank you for trusting me. Many of the questions that came in touched on discerning when it's time to say yes. Honestly, we may never feel completely ready to step out and take a risk. But that doesn't mean we aren't ready. Just like my good friend, Abby Phillip, reminded us earlier on the show, we have to be willing to meet the moment. We have to trust our intuition and believe that our faith will be rewarded. Sometimes those leaps help us land exactly where we're meant to be. If you've been listening along all season, you know that at the end of each episode, I ask my guests a doggy bag question. What is their takeaway? I thought it would be nice to wrap up with my takeaway for the season. The most important thing I'm walking away with is that I did it. I accomplished something that I set out to do, and it's even better than I could have imagined. This very first season of Trials to Triumphs taught me I can truly do anything I set out to do. Nothing is out of my reach. Nothing is too difficult. Nothing is too hard. Nothing that I want isn't already reserved for me. Now, what I've learned thanks to some amazing guests is that I have to reserve time for myself. I have to practice self care and be really intentional about it. I have to know the power of yes just as well as I know the power of no. I have to stay resilient, but I also have to allow myself to crumble if I need to, because I know that I can put myself back together again. As much as I speak, I need to listen more. And I also know that without a doubt, I am loved, I am covered, and I am seen. It has been a life-changing experience and one that I'll take with me for the rest of my life. So my takeaway is that I did this. I accomplished something that I set out to do, but I think even bigger than that is that I can never be confused about how many people support me and the gifts that I was sent here to put into the world. I can never question that ever again in my entire life because I have this and I have you. So I just want to say thank you. I love you. I honor you. A roller coaster is no fun if you're the only person on the ride. So thank you for being on the roller coaster with me with your hands up, screaming, hair blowing in the wind. And I can't wait to do it again with you all very soon. After the credits, I'm revealing the icon who has truly inspired me. Don't go anywhere. Thank you for listening. This podcast is produced by LWC Studios for OWN. The show's executive producer is Juleka Lantigua. Managing producers are Camille Stennis and Paulina Velasco. Editing assistants from Jordan Cowling, mixed by Kojin Tashiro. Assistant producers are Michelle Baker and Shanice Tyndall. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, and we hope you do, please make sure to subscribe, leave a rating, and review wherever you listen to your podcasts to ensure you hear the next one. So which icon am I truly inspired by, and what burning question do I have for them? Academy Award-winning actress and pioneer Hattie McDaniel. Hattie McDaniel began her career as a vaudeville player singing and acting in many traveling minstrel groups. After appearing uncredited in a number of small Hollywood films, Hattie began receiving more prominent roles. She would eventually become the first Black woman to win an Academy Award for her performance as Mammy in Gone with the Wind in 1939. Hattie would go on to play a maid or a cook in nearly 40 films, drawing harsh criticism from the liberal Black community. At the time, Hattie famously responded that she would rather play a maid in the movies than be one in real life. But then after World War II, she joined the fight to lobby for Hollywood's end to stereotyped roles. Hattie then pivoted to radio, headlining The Beulah Show in 1947, where she became the first Black woman to star in a weekly radio program. Here's some questions I would have asked Hattie. Who were your destiny advocates? Who kept you lifted and inspired? Patty? thank you for pioneering and paving the way for Black women like me to show up and shine on and off screen. I'm truly in awe of you and your accomplishments. From the bottom of my heart, I love you, I honor you, and I'm forever grateful for you and your gift.
0: Spread the word. When you get a fresh hot McCrispy from McDonald's, and you can feel the heat coming through the bag, don't try to wait till you get home. Always respect hot chicken. The McCrispy. only at McDonald's. Ba da
2: ba ba Meet the next generation of podcast stars with SiriusXM's Listen Next program, presented by State Farm. As part of their mission to help voices be heard, State Farm teamed up with SiriusXM to uplift diverse and emerging creators.